The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like... Can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Welcome to the Ringers Philly Special. Shield Kapadia, joined by Ben Solak. As always, it's the Thursday 10 film review from the Packers game. A look ahead to um, what a what a slate in week 13, Benjamin, in the NFL. Great games across the board this week, including Eagles Titans. Ben was uh, distracted by something, probably already checking uh, Twitter. Oh, you usually don't ask me questions. I was pulling up the que- the email question to make sure I knew it was coming next. You're usually not tossing to me within four seconds. Uh, keeping you keeping you on your toes, making sure you're paying attention. So uh, Eagles-Titans is going to be a fun game. There are a bunch of fun I'm games bummed. in the NFL. Thank you to those of you who sent in some mailbag questions. We're going to do kind of like a hybrid today. I had some questions I wanted to get to. Mailbag had some questions they wanted to get to. If we, if we don't get to yours, keep them coming. We'll get to them um, uh, later in the season. If you've submitted a question like three weeks in a row that I haven't used, then like berate me a little bit on Twitter, or email Ben, whatever. We, we don't want you to feel excluded, you know? We teach the kids, include or, everybody at recess. Yeah. Shields trying to can tell you that it's a bad question that he doesn't want to answer, in which case continue well, to pressure him, force him to put it on the air. I mean, I would spin that as, you know, the show is doing so well and we're getting so many great <laughs> questions that it's hard to break through, but oh, you, you can go either way with that. All right, let's get to it. Number one, let's do a little film review. Of the Packers, the offensive film, Eagles light it up. We set it 500 yards of offense, 363 yard, uh, rushing yards up and down the field. Uh, watching the film, Benjamin, what, uh, what stood out to you with how the Eagles offense played against the Packers? If you think that we get on John Gannon's case too much, the way I would behave on this podcast if John Gannon ever did what Joe Barry did 
on Sunday night would be they'd fire me. They wouldn't be able to take the mic out of my hands, man. This was not honorable. This was like they, you know, the whole like, oh, if an NFL team played Alabama and everything like that, it's kind of like okay. Listen, like it's just different. Like you can like do as many hypotheticals as you want, but like an NFL team would absolutely beat up on everybody else. That's what this was, man. I mean, for four quarters, Joe Barry's defense walked out front with no nose tackle and then wondered why they were losing to Jason Kelsey. For four quarters, they 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 let unblocked ends try to step down and like go one-on-one with Lane Johnson or unblocked ends step down and try to chase down Jalen Hurts in space and just never try to... The Eagles should have had 65 points. Like the The... The the ease with which they ran the football will not be replicated for the rest of the season. This was as light of work as Shane Steichen's going to get all year. Where I like I, every single drive, he must have gone in the headset and been like, "Are they doing it again? Are they four down front, life box? Are they sure? Do they want to do this?" And they just kept running the same stuff. They just ran. They ran counter. They ran QB counter and RB counter. They ran trap. They ran single back power. They ran single back power like four times on one drive. Right? Like they they ran the same concepts from the same formations. Over and over and over again. And then every so often, they would like go to run quick game or like go to run a play action pass. The Packers were covered up great, right? Like, oh, maybe you win man coverage. But like, oh, they, you know, they're, they're handling the flood. Oh, you know, they're, they're triggering down on the quick game. And then the Eagles go, okay, we're not going to try that again for a while. And then they just go back to running the football. Uh, yeah. I, I was just getting madder and madder and madder on behalf of Packers fans the more and more I watched that film. Again, this, this was easy mode nonsense for the Eagles offense. Yeah, that, that is an under. It's interesting. There are definitely teams around the league where it feels so obvious that they need kind of a, a coordinator change on one side of the ball. And uh, that certainly, you know, that, that seems to be the case with the Packers. I think you can point to the Steelers' offense and some others around the league. But uh, yeah, that definitely stood out. Uh, you know, one thing is we talked about the Colts game. It, it, the Colts had a beat on a lot of what the Eagles were doing. And we also outlined yes, well, it, it also helps when you have two very good uh, defensive tackles and a good defense and good players and so this was not a big like zone read game for the Eagles I mean you mentioned it I don't know that I've ever seen Lane Johnson pull as much as he did in this game I mean tackle trap tackle power he's pulling around Uh, you mentioned the QB counter bash which is a very fun run scheme where you have the guard and the tackle pull one way for the quarterback and Hertz can either take that or he can hand the ball off to uh, the running back, Miles Sanders, the other way, based on what the edge defender is doing. You saw some pistol in this game. We talked about mm-hmm. pistol last week. Yes. Saw don't a little give up, split back gun tendencies. with Zach Paschal back there. Oh, yes. <laughs> get a little fancy. <laughs> yeah. So you, you saw some of those things where don't make it easy for the defense to know uh, what you're doing there. And so those were some of the things that stood out along with what you said. Uh, Miles Sanders ran hard in this game. I mean, that touchdown run, Kenny Clark's kind of got a hold of him there near the line of scrimmage. He breaks through it and is able to run after contact, not something that has necessarily been a strength for him throughout the course of his career. So uh, good job by him. You pointed out the, now is it Jurgens or Jurgens? Do we have a, do we, do I need to pull up Dane Brugler's draft guide to get the pronunciation here? Now you were saying Jurgens. I thought it was Jurgens, but I say that with uh, no comment confidence at all whether it was Jurgens or Jurgens he saw the field kind of as an extra uh tight end you saw some 10 personnel with four wide receivers uh on the field and uh and you saw that with uh, Zach Pascal as the fourth wide receiver they went empty in that look a little bit so there were certainly some change-ups there 
I thought, you know what? I don't think we've said one nice thing probably about Jack Stoll. Jack Stoll is uh, is is fine as a blocker, especially in these run schemes, giving you nothing in the pass in the passing yeah. game. Uh, but as someone one, who, one thing you know, I will say, it, right? I, I I agree. Stoll when Stoll gets his hand on a guy, he's solid. In part because the Packers were playing with such light boxes that, like, there weren't dudes where there should have been dudes. But in part because Stoll is still, like, green to the position, there'd be times where he'd climb to the second level and just, you could just hear his brain fart. You could just hear his brain go, uh, you go get him. And then by the time it realized who he's supposed to get, that guy's gone. You know, so he, um like, on, like, a double team, like, you know, when, when um like, he's going, he's, like, he's, like, a point man, so he's going, like, directly to a corner, directly to a safety, he gets it. When it's, like, those, like, single back powers traps those inside runs where like he might have to adjust who he takes based off how the linebackers move it's still dial-up speed for jack Stoll a little bit and it's okay <laughs> like he's a young player it's fine it's just really yeah. funny to watch yeah uh there were a lot of plays in this game where there was an eagles player with like wait i have nobody to block here uh, i yep. guess i'll just kind of run down the field and chase hurts or chase the running back uh jalen hurts just as a scrambler as a problem solver i mean that that first scramble of the game on third down where he just makes Quay Walker miss and then he makes uh, Adrian Amos miss and then he makes Darnell Savage miss and all of a sudden you have a 20 plus run from your quarterback out of nowhere that's such a luxury for an offense to have on a Mm -hmm. third down like that I mean you you wrote about it uh, several weeks ago quarterback scrambles and he continues to do that for this offense that obviously stood out there on the first drive and throughout the game yeah his second super long scramble that got them inside of the 10 uh 13 personnel, it's really 12 jumbo, right? Because you have Cam Jurgens Jurgens on the field at the time, right? They go play action pass with two players in the concept. And the two players in the concept are Grant Calcaterra and Quez Watkins, which let's stop right now. Eagles offensive coach staff, you guys are doing great. If you ever get to, we have two men in the concept and it's Grant Calcaterra and Quez Watkins again, stop. <laughs> You've gone too far. You're in the rabbit hole, get out. <laughs> But they have two men in the concept. It's Quez Watkins and Grant Calcaterra. Uh, Packers see it. They're doubled up on 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 Quez. Calcaterra couldn't get his release done. Like this play is chalked for every quarterback in the league, save for a few. And it's Hurts climbing the pocket, getting up, finding the space, and then there's just the entire right side of the field's been vacated, and he runs for 40 yards at like a brisk jog. Yeah, that's the sort of thing where like it's such a a case in point. No, no team with just a pocket passer could ever tried to devise this play, let alone execute it. It's also a very important play because it stands in contrast to the strip sack he took on the Miles Sanders blocking Yannick Ngakwe play a week ago. Not the exact same play at all, but very similar in terms of protection's going to be wonky because we're doing hard play action, so guys' angles are going to be weird. I have like one dude in the concept. I have to be able to manage the pocket while I'm looking downfield. Against the Colts, he needed to do more managing the pocket, took a sack, lost a fumble. On this play got to the back of his drop, immediately started hitching up. Just like a one-week correction that's so, so nice to see. Where like very clearly on Tuesday, they were like, hey, on these plays, you have to do this. And then, boom, Sunday night, he's doing it. That's why, that's one of the things you love about Jalen is there's so much, so often in his film one-week improvements on, on specific things like that. 
I think that decisiveness is really what separates him as a, as a scrambler. I mean, that play that you described, that was the exception where he took the fumble. We haven't seen a lot of that. Like, it's not a lot of, all right, sit back there. And again, that can lead to sometimes, well, he could have hung in there longer and, you know, something opened up and there was a receiver. But at the same time, it also leads to, I feel like, fewer negative plays because he's just like, all right, not there, boom, I'm out. And he takes off right away. So that decisiveness is pretty rare, even from the athletic quarterbacks. You know, even you, you think of someone like Michael Vick, there was a lot more like, all right, you know, dance around a little bit and it led to spectacular highlights. Yep. But with him, it's like, all right, uh, hey, there's some green grass and uh, I could throw it to Kenny Gainwell here. I could just make Quay Walker miss and cut to the right. And I'm just going to go ahead and do that. And I, so I, I think you lead to uh, a lot more positive plays than the ones that maybe you left on the field. All right. Other side of the ball, not as pretty. The uh, the defense, I know you said after the game, you thought it was just kind of like a wonky uh, game. I wonder if you, after you watch the film, whether you feel differently, whether you have different concerns, or you feel like it was just kind of one of those games. I, it reminded me that Matt LaFleur is still really good at this, even if like a lot of what the Packers are doing overall has has gaps to it, right? In terms of like the Rodgers play and the wide receiver play and the offensive line injuries and yada, yada, whatever. But like that, that, uh, that touchdown drive where they just chunk play, chunk play, chunk play in the first quarter. I mean, it's just like, it's the classic hits of like what you're doing against the Eagles defense. Just like the Aaron Jones screen where they get you in quarters and then they run everybody down the field. So you're super stretched vertically and there's just nobody there to handle that. The The first Aaron Jones run where they 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 let Josh Sweat come way too far upfield and then they get to your, your boundary and they say, hey, Josiah Scott can make a tackle. Hey, Darius Slay can make a tackle. Just forcing the Eagles defensive backs to try to be as physical as possible in short areas. The A.J. Dillon run, right, where they, they go motion at the snap. Now you're forcing late safety rotation. Epps comes down. Chauncey's moving to the back. Now the linebackers have to kick over. Miscommunic- not miscommunication. Epps doesn't kick over. It's on Epps. Edwards is trying to get to the front side. He can't. Dillon cuts up and, and it's a 20-yard touchdown run. Just like everything that's killed Gannon for for two years, all of that. The one thing that Gannon struggles with that they weren't really able to get going was like their quick passing game. And that's where the Eagles' ability to stay tight in man coverage is impressive. Like I thought Slay and Bradbury, once again, like every time I watch defensive film, I'm like, man, this would not work without these two players. It just wouldn't come even close. The, yeah. the way that they, just, they, they, they play like man cover one so much without a robber. Like, like usually when you play man cover one, you have five players covering five players, you have one deep safety, and then you have one safety underneath covering this like intermediate hole that helps with like crossing routes and slants and stuff like that. The Eagles will play man cover one without that player. Very hard. James Bradbury and Darius Slay make it. Like it, it these, these players are so important to that. Um, so good game, Darius Slay. I was impressed with LaFleur. I was impressed with a lot of, with a lot of the game plan they had going together. But uh, And I think also you're probably going to have a note on... Uh, like it, the, the pass rush coverage conversation is difficult because the ball's coming out on screen so much and it's coming out in quick game so much that it's hard to fully say like, all right, the pass rush needs to be better. But there were like six or seven Aaron Rodgers dropbacks where he's back there too long, especially for a quarterback who's immobile. And you would have liked to see your pass rush succeed uh, more so in that regard. The, um, the Hassan Reddick experience has been about like what you kind of worried it would be just in terms of like when he wins, he wins so fast and he finishes sacks. Like he, his, his ability to like 
just win a rep and, and finish it and not just make it a pressure, but a sack is awesome. And then for like 30 reps, he's just so quiet. And that's the, that's the tough thing about paying a player like that is you just wish there was more down to down value from your, from your, your outside rush like that. So they probably need improvement there. Uh, I think that you're, you're bringing that note back for some of the drop back stuff, especially when you got there into like the third quarter and the Packers knew they had to kind of score to keep up and, Rodgers is having success finding Randall Cobb down the field and everything like that's good coverage you you got to be able to like you, you don't have to reward that with a sack or a pressure every down that's impossible you got to get one and when they did get one it would usually be a drive killer you just like to see those numbers go up a little bit so I would like a little bit more from the pass rush but LaFleur called a really really good game uh, this was a lot of the the classic hits of what causes this Eagles defense issues and then Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon man just extremely like the nice thing is like all right is this a blueprint it's not a blueprint because other teams don't have Jones and Dillon so 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 few of the plays that became five yard runs and eight yard runs and ten yard runs and twelve yard run after the catch so on and so forth that's not going to be the case against other teams. The team they play this week, a little bit, but in future teams you're not going to have yeah. that size in the backfield and that physicality in the backfield. So it's a little bit of a blueprint, but it's also not because like you have to have like think about what Austin Eckler did to them last year, like Aaron Jones did to them this year. You, you have to have players like that in order for this to work. Yeah, the Packers came in with the top five rushing offense just in terms of efficiency DVOA so they have been doing that to a lot of teams the 20 yard uh, touchdown run by AJ Dillon that was against a four uh, a four man front with uh, Indomitian Sue and Milton Williams in there you mentioned that the screen where Kaiser White kind of gets pinned inside there uh, yeah the Randall Cobb TD you know it wasn't horrible coverage by Josiah Scott like you mentioned pass rush doesn't get there uh, it's a good throw he gets beat there it's it feels like a lot of weeks we're saying you know, there, there is an explosive play with Josiah Scott's name on it. Now, a lot yep. of times it's been kind of miscommunications or busts in zone coverage. This wasn't that. This was just a straight man coverage against uh, Randall Cobb there. The the 23-yard TD to Aaron Jones, is uh, that's sort of, uh, to me, that's like a tip your hat kind of play. I mean, yep. he's, you know, it's a scramble drill and Rodgers makes a terrific throw uh, outside the pocket. That's not one where you're like, oh my gosh, what are they doing there? Uh, the 63-yard touchdown to Christian Watson. Uh, we, we touched on it after the game, certainly yep. the angle by Blankenship. Now, one thing I didn't notice, so that that post from the other side kind of ran some interference where it, it was sort of a hard angle where he had to kind of decide, do I go right. around this or do I go down? And he, he gets caught and isn't able to make the play. So I was watching that going, you know what? I don't know that, like, I think that's going to, don't get me wrong. I think that's a concern. That's going to be an issue with Blankenship. I also think he might, he has the personality, like sort of a nosy personality, where I think you're going to see teams try to get him to bite on some underneath stuff and throw it nosy behind him. Nosy personality. I like that. I'm stealing that. That's when good. He when he when he's playing deep but that specific play like I was kind of like I don't know if Gardner Johnson's back there I could sort of see a similar uh play unfolding there with him it, right it's the 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 reason you run that post over is to do that right it's to stretch that player and then put him in a spot where his hips aren't pointing where they should be his feet aren't going like that's that's what matters right like we made fun of the, the speed and, and that's why makeup speed is really important for safeties but like technique's always going to win out and that's where it's an experience thing right the moment they're the opposing team's starting free safety. Because the Chauncey's their weak safety, they're free safety. The moment he goes down and they put in a guy who's an undrafted free agent in his first ever reps, you go, all right, we're, we're going to stretch him, right? We're right. going gonna, gonna to run a route at him going behind him. We're going to run around in front of him going across him. We're going to make him make a decision. And then wherever he doesn't go, we're, we're going to try to expose him, right? And like that, that's, that's just like, again, like that's good coaching 101. That's a lot of your, your, um, uh, your, your Matt LaFleur hat tip, right? Where it's just... That's the right way to do it. The, it, the, 
what you'd love is you'd love for Epps to be better in coverage there. But that's not Epps' game. You know, like, I'm not even like knocking Epps on that. It's just like you'd love for your strong safety to be able to step down and do that. It's just that's not Epps, right? That's, that's, that's hard, not especially against Watson's yeah. and his yeah. physical. That's not many strong safeties in the, in the league. Yeah. yeah. So like, it, like it's a part where on the sidelines you'd love to be like, all right, like you know, they, like we all know like we got to back up in this is what we got to do this is how we got to kind of account for it but Epps is just not that sort of a player Epps has other strengths the, I, this is not anti-Epps this is just the reality of, of you know dealing with trying to handle your, your issues as, a, as an offense and then uh, what, what you mentioned with attacking the perimeter that really stood out whether it was with the tosses or with the uh, screens out there especially when the Eagles had Linville Joseph in there that the Packers did a nice job of that with Reddick I do like when they use him on the stunts when he has some space yeah he had that twist like I'm gonna un- unload he did that uh, a couple times and a couple of those led to sacks so uh, that that is definitely a, something I would like to see them continue to use because that worked in this game they've done that more since the bye than before the bye there was that graphic that no no team ran fewer stunts and twists I think than the uh, Eagles up yep. front and uh, since then that that's good self scouting they've done a little bit more of that all right yeah I noticed break. we did have we oh, did sorry, have a question I don't know if a question I don't, I don't think it made it into the the ten but we've had questions about that where like people are like why doesn't Gannon like doing them I. Uh, it, it's it's risk prone and Gannon makes every decision makes risk averse right like that's just his thing it's like we're going to be safe we're going to be gaps how we're going to be tight everybody's going to know what they're doing do your job yada 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 he absolutely deserves credit for post buy they run more of them they run them very selectively but they have run more of them it's critical that they put them on film it's a very big big part of this this defense and they work mostly because they never ever run them so when they do it's shocking but they work and, and, and dialing it's up like in key blitz, situations yeah. yeah has been has been really valuable to them so there it there does deserve to be a feather uh for john gannon for that all right let's take a break and then we come back and get to some of your questions all right we're back number three friend of the pod rich bobby eagles fan legend says if the eagles make the mistake of not luring malcolm jenkins out of retirement. I'll give more uh, backstory on that in a second. What are some schemes that Johnny Gans can cook up to minimize Blankenship's exposure? Does Gannon need to do anything differently? And so for those of you who didn't see it, uh, John Clark had a interview with Malcolm Jenkins. I believe it was before the last game, but basically he was asking him, you know, about coming back and playing. And I don't know how others read it. I mean, I read it as like Malcolm Jenkins sounded like, yeah, I, I'm ready to go. Just make the call and I'll be there uh, next week. Wait, he, 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 he saw these, these Limbaugh the Joseph and these Dominican Sioux deals. He was like, what? Right. If we got a retirement home for like good vets, the best defense 2016 is ever put on the field. Come on That's now. Right. I already know the area. You, you don't have training camp. You don't have to grind through September and October. Just show up for the stretch run. The team's already in Super Bowl contention. You know the city. And so he said that, and uh, it led to a lot of uh, conversations among Eagles fans. I had a tweet. Listen, I, I like the idea. I would absolutely make the call. You play a lot of uh, too high safety. Anyway, so you're you're hiding some of Malcolm Jenkins. You know you don't want him playing in the back end as a single high safety. That's been the case really for years. Uh, he's he's an Iron Man. I mean the guy played. I forget how many snaps with the Saints last year. I think it was over uh, a thousand. He's uh, of the athletes I've covered. I don't think I've been more impressed with like an athlete's preparation than just kind of their uh, you know physical. I don't even know what the performance. So the the way he keeps in shape, keeps prepared uh, than Malcolm Jenkins. Like that guy will know how to get ready. 
you've got that. I've seen Malcolm joins Malcolm Jenkins destroy run games in the past. Yeah. I mean, he's almost like a dime linebacker out there. He's so smart. He's going to be able to help the other players on defense. He's going to be able to help Johnny Gans. I don't know if he would want to come back and play special teams, but Jenkins is a guy who would play special teams. And he's just like, he's like an all-in type player. And he's a good special teams player. He helps you there. And then as I joked on uh, Twitter, if Johnny Gans goes elsewhere next year, you know, don't, you can't just pencil in Vic Fangio. He might have a lot of opportunities. You have your own D'Amico Ryans and Malcolm Jenkins. He doesn't, someone asked, doesn't he need to work his way up like D'Amico Ryans did? Listen, I might be biased because I've covered him. I'm pretty sure Jenkins has like more knowledge, knows what, knows what makes players tick, motivates them, work yep. ethic than most of the coordinators in the NFL. So maybe there'd be some growing pains, but I think he would be able to figure it out. So anyway, that was me rambling about Jenkins. I think you're on board with that. I mean, oh, yeah. it's, it's just so fun. I'll be honest. I am pretty much always on board with something like this. When you have a player who was great at one time coming back in need in a big situation, I almost always say yes to that, except that, you know, the weird Iverson thing that the Sixers did that, that was much different. That was like a PR stunt, not a, Hey, this guy could actually help us. So uh, I think you're on board with it, but what do you see with, with Gardner Johnson now uh, missing multiple games their options, blank and chip schematically, Jenkins, where yeah. do they go from here? So it's tricky. Jenkins is absolutely a strong box safety, right? Jenkins is line up over the tight end, shoot the running game, you know, shoot a gap in the, in, in the running game, play at the second level, press a slot receiver. Like that's Jenkins. That's not what Chauncey was. Them. Chauncey was their weak safety. He was their free safety. They have Marcus Epps as their strong safety. Um, for, for, you know, as much of an Epps detractor as I may be, Epps at this age is probably better than Jenkins at this age in terms of what they ask their strong safety to do. Because you still have to be able to play with depth, right? So if they were to bring Malcolm in, he'd be like a sub-package linebacker slot for them. Like, he'd be like, he'd be like in the Kaiser White role. Like, that's, that's the role in this defense that most directly maps onto what he previously did with the Eagles. So that, it doesn't solve the Chauncey issue. I still want it to happen because Malcolm Jenkins is incredible and would be great. Like he would help Epps. He would help Blankenship. He would help Kaiser. He would help Josiah Scott. Like that entire, anybody who can exist like kind of around the tight end, five to 10 yards back from the line, he's going to help all of those players. Just by being in a locker room, right? Just by like pointing out tenants, you coach on the field. And then when he plays, he's going to be valuable. It doesn't solve the Chauncey problem. So if they do it, they do it because they can. And then they have to see what they're going to do with, with, with free safety. With what you saw from Reed, uh, in 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 week one in week one in the first week that he played, you're running back out. I don't think that, I don't I don't have an issue with that. You understand that like like he's going to be limited in terms of of his range, but at the same time like you feel really good about your outside corners. They don't. It's not like you're you. It's not like Chauncey's been protecting bad play from the outside corners by like being making unbelievable plays from the roof. A lot of Chauncey's ball production, as we've noted on this pod, have been like. Yeah. Yeah, because Slay and Bradbury made a play and then Chauncey was also there. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I like I love it. I I I'm I said when we compare the twenty seventeen and the twenty twenty two teams, uh, if you got Malcolm on this team, man, like good night, right? Just because he he would help solve the Kaiser issue, solve the Avanti Maddox injury issue. Like he would his versatility would be so beneficial. The Chauncey injury he doesn't help as much. Unless you like played him a strong safety, move Epps to weak safety, which I I sure. Like it, that might work if 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 Reed really can't hang, but from what you saw from Reed in, in the first week, I'd be comfortable running him out for another week and then seeing what it looks like. Um, if you start to have longer problems with him, then you experiment with an addition, either bringing Malcolm in and bumping Epps or seeing who else is available on the free safety market, right? Like they had Jakeski Tart in camp and 
Like, uh, Tart was a good player. He's still, again, more of a strong safety, but, like, I, I think his legs were dead. Like, so I, I don't know who they kind of have. Anthony on the, Harris on the phone. is on a practice squad, I believe, right? So, I mm. mean, it's, hey, listen, this, this is about raising the floor. This isn't they about do finding Harris. an all pro player. They would player. absolutely, in a, hundred, in a yeah. heartbeat, do Anthony Harris. Yep, that's who so, it is. So we'll see. Listen, I don't, there, there's no indication that this is something that is actually going to happen, but you know what? It's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to talk about. I, that Blankenship interception, I mean, that's one of the best plays by an ankle safety all year. I mean, that yeah. was an outstanding uh, play by him. So that, I'm with you. Absolutely. Like, I, there's there's schematic stuff that goes into, like, Rodgers thinking that Reed's going to rotate deep. And, like, the Eagles, the Eagles, like, moved with motion and then played zone, which they don't typically do. So it's a nice little changeup. But that absolutely was Rodgers looking at Blankenship and going, I don't think he's going to know what to do right here. And I don't think he's going he's to be athletic enough to do it. And Reed absolutely knew what he was supposed to do and then triggered like a son of a gun. Yeah. So it was a very high quality play. Yeah, that, that was a great play. He had the, uh, a great tackle uh, against the run in the right sideline where he got downhill in a hurry and made the play. And then he had the personal foul there as well. So again, I think, you know, maybe something to keep an eye out probably as soon as this weekend is what I said. I, I think teams will see that on film and go, right, this is kind of an aggressive player who wants to make plays, who wants to hit, who's going to get nosy if there's stuff in front of him. Let's see if we can take advantage of that and throw it behind him. So that's something to keep an eye on as soon as this weekend against the Titans. All right, question number four. Tony, hey, Tony, says, assuming Jordan Davis is activated. Ben's looking at Ben doesn't get it. Many of you will get the reference. Don't listen. Old heads uh, stand up. Don't worry about. Don't worry about uh, Ben on that one. All right. Assuming Jordan Davis is activated, how much of a difference does he make specifically to the run defense? And with the new additions, what do you anticipate the playing time for all of the DTs to look like? So uh, the Eagles activated the 21-day practice window for Jordan Davis. He could return this weekend. He could not return this weekend. But let's assume that, uh, I don't know, when he does come back, uh, how do you see kind of this rotation playing out? How much of a difference will he make compared to the other guys they have playing, specifically Linville Joseph right now? Yeah, so Linville in his first game played 40% of the snaps. In this game against the Packers, played 61% of the snaps. More than Davis has in any single individual game. <laughs> Joseph's probably like, I didn't sign up. I didn't sign up for this, guys. You told me 61% of the snaps. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I do not understand why this is what's happening and, and this being the case. Now it was only four, it was only forty nine total plays, right? That the Packers ran. So mm-hmm. if you're looking at total and and the way they were playing and some of the packages they were using, and you're getting gashed a little bit with your four man, and you know Rodgers is injured, so you think they're going to run the ball. I mean, I could sort of see the thinking right. um, behind it, but I was a little surprised that they don't say let's give some of those snaps to like a Javon Hargrave at Nose or even uh, Fletcher Cox. Yeah, they did yeah. not do that. And that's the thing. It's like for this upcoming week against the Titans, man, like it's going to be another extremely <laughs> heavy, like they, the players who play their nose, which is Linval Joseph and Jordan Davis, like they very sparingly give reps to anybody else. There's going to be a lot of snaps to go around. But given the quality of play they've gotten from Linval, I imagine Linval will outsnap Davis when he first comes back. Like if you're, if you're not 100% on Davis's health, plus like Linval's done a really good job, I imagine you're keeping Linval in place. The other thing is that, uh, your like uh, some of this will also be i think conditional on the quality of the the opposing center that you're facing right like ben jones has been hurt for the the uh the the titans 
Linval is going to dominate the backup. The backup, I, I can't recall his name, forgive me, is, is, is struggled. He Like, DJ Reader ate his lunch for four quarters in the Bengals-Titans game. I can't remember this guy's name. Uh so like, you feel you feel good putting Limbaugh there. You don't Aaron Brewer. Aaron yes, Brewer. Brewer right? Thank you. Yes. Yes. He, he's okay. traditionally a guard, and then he's he's moved into center. Right. He's just not ready for the speed. Right? Centers uh, things happen a lot faster. Uh, I think you, you're, you're going to see Limbaugh out snap Davis when he comes back. It'll probably settle in somewhere around like fifty fifty over the course of when they're both healthy. Uh, the only thing that can kind of change it is if you feel comfortable with either one of them playing one technique, right? Because the issue when Davis was healthy was that opposing teams could look in the Eagles' defensive huddle and say, okay, 90 is in there. Jordan Davis is in there. They're going to be in a five-down front. Okay, Jordan Davis is not in there. They're going to be in a four-down front because they were very static in that way. Linval can play one tech. I know this because Linval played in the league for 10 years. He can do it. So if... If you feel comfortable with Linval playing one tech, and for whatever reason you don't feel comfortable with Davis doing it, I get it, but I don't get it, but whatever, then you'll probably play Linval more than Davis because he lets you hide your hand a little bit more. Uh, as it is, I expect, like, you know, like Davis will come back against the Titans, get like, you know, 12 snaps. I think Linval will outsnap him, and then they're probably going to settle around like 15, 18 snaps a piece. A lot of it, like you say, though, Sheila, is, is game script dependent. You, If the Eagles generate a lead, yes. And they're facing a bad running team, Davis and Linball snaps will go down. If the Eagles are behind or they're facing a good running team, Davis and Linball snaps will go up just because those guys play the nose, and the nose is the run defending position, the run defending snap count of the Eagles defense. Yeah, I think you I I think the the key there is we don't know what version of Davis you get when he comes back. I mean, guys coming yes. back from an injury, there's a mystery, there's an unknown. I felt like he was steadily, you know, improving as, you know, they had a couple games in there where you really saw it or or even some snaps or some possessions where you go, "Oh man, he he's really uh coming on." And then there were others where you go, "All right, you know, he is a rookie. Let's remember to be patient here." So, part of it's going to depend on how healthy he is. Part of it's going to be on how well each guy's playing. Remember, Linvel Joe Joseph hadn't played all year. He's got fresh legs. He didn't even look as good this week as he did the previous week. So, you know, two, three weeks from now, he might not look as good. He might wear down a little bit. Some of those uh, th- those injuries, those bruises that NFL players, specifically a guy like him playing right there in the middle of it, sustained throughout the course of an NFL season, those could happen as well. So I think it's just kind of a week to week, see who's playing well, see who's healthier, and figure it out type situation. I mean, I think the performance you've gotten from Linville Joseph, the last two weeks is as good as or better than enormous. what you got. Enormous. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's a small sample, but they've given up 3.3 yards per carry and mm-hmm. have had a 62.9% defensive success rate when he's been on the field uh, against the run. And with Davis, it was 3.9 yards per carry and 58.8% uh, success rate. So a little, you know, again, small sample. So I don't want to read too much into it. Those numbers are a little better for Joseph and Davis, but I would say it would probably be comparable uh, going forward. So yeah. we'll see I, I, what they do. And there's no guarantee, by the way, that Davis comes back this week just because he's practicing. So it might be Joseph this week. Yeah. Especially, I mean, to bring him back this week and be like, like, you could really use him this week, but at the same time, like if he's not 100%, like they're mm-hmm. going to be coming at you this week, this Titans team. Yeah, I just I just looked. Ben Jones literally is practicing like as of two minutes ago today so it looks like this they'll have ben jones back i imagine they're not going to want to rush big for them yeah i imagine they're not going to want to rush davis out against ben jones ben jones one of the better centers in the league and particularly ben jones is really good at getting underneath you and that's where davis is a problem right now uh the linval thing is 
like, you know, this week, play him, whatever, play him, whatever snaps. Once you have him and Davis back to 100%, it's how many snaps do we can we give Linval such that he's healthy in January, right? Like, the, the Linval and Sue have both been really good through two weeks. I imagine they're not going to look the same way two months into, into their seasons, right? Like, this is like week one, week two. They're super-duper fresh relative to who they're playing. The, the cliff's going to come for them in terms of the quality of their play and, like, their stamina and everything like that. And it'll come fast because they're older. Davis's snaps are kind of like, you know... You feel good with him out there. Like your running was great with him there. You don't want to let Linval grow cold, but you also want to say like, "Hey, like, let's make sure you're still so much fresher than the opposing dude you're up against." When we really need you against the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, you know. And and also, uh, you know, the the point about. Linville Joseph being able to play potentially other spots. I mean, it gives you insurance. Who who knows if Milton Williams and Dominican Sue will be healthy the rest of the season. Those are your backup defensive tackles now in your four-man front. So, you know, one of them goes down. Well, all right, now at least you have another body. Maybe you give Jordan Davis some of those reps. Maybe you give Joseph some of those reps, but you're not scrambling to find somebody off the practice squad or off the street. You've kind of already taken care of that. So I think that that's how it will play. This episode is brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle. As your business grows, you might start seeing some lag. There's too much work for your team, too many different processes, and it takes forever to close the books. If this sounds like you, you should know these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 is the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. It's a cloud financial system that can help streamline accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25, that's how many years NetSuite has been helping businesses do more with less, and 1 because your one-of-a-kind business deserves a customized solution for your KPIs. It's like when you come here for this podcast or when you check out your favorite website to gather all the info you need to make better decisions for your fantasy leagues. Well, NetSuite does that for your business and then some. It's one efficient system, one source of truth with everything you need to grow. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at netsuite.com slash ringer. That is netsuite.com slash ringer. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Now, all right. Question number five. Jordanzo Beans. Love the name, by the way. Well Jordanzo done. Beans. Uh, huge fan of the pods, he says, which many of you are saying. Thank you. You've listened. Yeah. After the spirited extra point taken discussion on Lamar, I'm hoping we can get a Philly special mailbag question discussing what Lamar does so much better than Jalen Hurts and why I'm crazy for thinking the gap between uh, the two of them isn't that wide. Uh, There were some other questions about this. There was a question about where uh, Hurts ranks in our friend Steven Ruiz's QB rankings. I think he was uh, Why do people keep making us responsible for this? 
I don't, I don't know. It's on him. <laughs> it's talk fine. to that guy. It's a, it's a talking point. This is this is synergy. When you work for a big company, one guy does the QB rankings, then you ask about it on another show. That's how it's all yeah, supposed one, to work. One better. one duo does the extra point taken podcast, and then the exact same duo does the Philly special <laughs> podcast. Right. and gets asked about it. That's right. So for those of you who only follow the Philly special pod, I would say go listen to extra point taken. We had a yeah. great spirited debate on Monday night about the Ravens, uh, about Lamar Jackson, about a bunch of stuff. And so you should be listening to that. That's on the Ringer NFL feed every uh, Monday night. Uh, I like Lamar Jackson. I think he's a fantastic player. Ben thinks he is a better player than I am and is higher on the Ravens' chances as a Super Bowl contender than I am. So I guess let's start with the first question from Jordanzo Beans because I was thinking, uh, I've actually had a similar uh, thought here. What do you think... Lamar Jackson does uh, significantly better than Jalen Hurts this year as currently sort of constructed with the rosters around them and how they're playing right now. Constructed with rosters around them. No, 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 no. What do the players do? Oh, That's okay. the question. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm worried about this now. I was trying to help you there because if you just, I mean, you, you know, there's the, the the statistical evidence would go in Hertz's favor in a lot of areas. So I was trying to lead you into well, Hertz has, but go ahead, go ahead. I I mean, like, okay, I, right. The the statistical evidence for Hertz being more effective is a lot to do with, with with personnel. Absolutely. The question was like, what does Lamar do better? And like to me, the answer is. Well, he's a better thrower and a better runner, which is like I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Um, there's 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 uh. Throws that Hurts makes that are better. Like Hurts was a better go ball. Like that that deep out sideline shot. Hurts was one of the best balls that, that you'll see on on that stuff. Hurts um, takes on contact better, right? Like Lamar's going to be a thinner guy. Like Lamar's unbelievable at at breaking you as a defender down. Like making it so that you barely get a hand on him. Hurts uh, is just like a bigger guy. He's going to be able to survive contact in the pocket a little bit better. Lamar's still really really good at that. When they're in the open field, Lamar's better than Hurts. Um, he's faster. And he can break angles better. Like, uh, you know, Hurts likes to make guys miss behind the line of scrimmage. And then obviously he can finish runs with toughness. Lamar still has, has better instincts as a runner. He's faster as a runner. He's more elusive as a runner. So you'll, you'll see Lamar, I think, break more design runs into like 20-plus yard, 25-plus yard runs relative to Hurts. Like Hurts obviously on the scrambles to do that against the backers. Um, but Lamar's better as a runner in that regard. Uh, we brought up the Hurts decisiveness. I think you can probably give Hurts like a little bit of an edge in terms of, of making a decision quickly. But at the same time, like Lamar's more creative, right? Like, like, like there's, 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 this is, this is PR at this point, right? Like you, you can, you can talk being decisive versus holding on to the football and creating stuff Like you can talk that as a positive thing in both directions. Lamar absolutely makes more second reaction throws, second reaction plays, late throws in the down, scramble drill th- uh, throws, finding uh, Mark Andrews late, you know, finding receivers deep down the field, like the Deshaun Jackson bomb, kind of like buying that time. Uh, he's a better processor for sure. I mean, Lamar lives in the middle of the field. Lamar's an unbelievable thrower in, in terms of, of like throwing layered throws and throwing between safeties and like hitting guys in the tight windows that in areas of the field that Jalen Hurts doesn't access. That's the, the area of the biggest difference for me is going to be that what Lamar does is like a, a field reader and an executor of passing concepts is at like a 301, 401 level. It doesn't get talked about too much because of what he does as an athlete, but like Lamar's unreal in that regard. Like from the pocket, operating as a pocket passer, throwing with accuracy, throwing with touch, changing the arm angle. And like Hertz just doesn't do that. Hey, did the, the offense doesn't ask him to do it. He doesn't do it. They don't even try to, to, to negotiate that area of quarterbacking. They don't even try to, to interface with it because it's a very difficult area and they have so many more easy wins elsewhere. It's, it's, it's good team building. It's a good approach. Um, but Lamar is better in that regard. Um, 
So Lamar's better, better player than me. I trust him more dropping back, and I trust him more tucking the football. Hurts has aspects of his game that's better than Lamar, and, and the Eagles really hammer those aspects, but Lamar's a better player. Uh, I don't think it's as clear-cut as you stated. I think there's a, a, a very um, credible argument that Jalen Hurts has played easily as well as Lamar Jackson this year. I agree with you with the processing stuff. That's been the case with Lamar Jackson since he came uh, into the league. I remember doing a thing with uh, Crispy Brown of Smart Football, and he made a great point that always stuck with me. Like When Lamar Jackson has issues in the passing game, it's not because he doesn't know where to go with the football. It's because he misses throws. And I still think he misses more throws than Jalen Hurts, just in terms of accuracy, or you're watching a game going, ooh, he missed that one. Like you, That is yeah. rare now with Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts' accuracy this year, to me, has been maybe the most underrated aspect of his game. He, he's fourth in completion percentage above expectation. Uh, Lamar Jackson is 12th. Or, I'm sorry, he's fourth in the completion percentage above expectation. Jackson is 28th. Hertz is fourth in adjusted completion percentage, which, which takes out drops and spikes and all that. Jackson is 12th. Hertz is 10th in EPA per pass play. Jackson is 22nd. Now's when you get into the supporting casting, and I can see it uh, in your face, and, I, and that's obviously fair. Yes, if Lamar Jackson were playing with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, would the numbers look different? There's no doubt about it. The question is, how different would the numbers look? And I, and I think Hertz has made a lot of strides in his accuracy, and I think Lamar uh, still uh, still will miss throws throughout the course of a game. Uh, not that he's an inaccurate quarterback, but if you're comparing these two players, I think Hertz has been more accurate uh, this year. Yeah. So that right, this is like like coming off of the games they just played is such a good case study for this conversation. Like Hertz, like the the the, the third down mesh throw to AJ Brown on the two minute drive in the first half, he misses the throw. AJ Brown picks it up off his knees to then turn upfield and run with it. Lamar throws that ball and that area to Marcus Robinson, right? He throws a low ball to Marcus Robinson on third and goal against the Jaguars. Robinson doesn't catch it. It's like they're moving at different speeds, but still. Uh, the uh, the Devontae Smith deep comeback, I put it on Twitter. Unbelievable route from Devontae Smith. Hertz is, is late to the throw and inaccurate. Devontae has to come all the way back for the ball and get down for it. Hertz is, Hertz is an accurate quarterback. I Like... Uh, when they miss, Lamar misses way worse. Like Hertz often misses like low. He misses and pulls receivers back towards the line of scrimmage. When Lamar misses, he often misses over guys. So he's putting the ball in jeopardy. There's potential for interceptions, right? Like Lamar's misses tend to be visually very, very worse. And and this is, I remember when Lamar came out, I was like, you can fix this. Like just fix his mechanics. And then he just does it every single year. Where like he'll have perfect mechanics for nine throws. And on the 10th throw, he'll just like, step sideways and just like huck the thing and you're like Lamar just well, don't it's part do of the this. creativity thing probably yep. I mean those two things are probably yep combined. exactly I very yeah. much agree so at this point it's kind of who Lamar is like Lamar has right a couple throws a game where you're like dude just like be regular just be a regular person it's just throw like a regular quarterback and he doesn't yeah. so his misses are more egregious but there's like Hurts accuracy numbers there his receivers have done a lot of work for those numbers and that's that's where this, these conversations become tricky yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. As runners, uh, Lamar Jackson is 12th in the NFL with 755 rushing yards. Hertz is 21st with 597. I agree with, you know, ja- it's very different because Lamar is doing a lot of this in the design option run game, whereas I think Hertz is doing more uh, with yep. scrambles. Hertz gives you that answer in short yardage that, you know, Jackson is not going to give you with the uh, with the QB sneaks there for the Ravens. So those are, you know, it's a small thing, but those are high leverage plays. So uh, listen, I, I kind of agree with the, uh, I, I think we disagree here. I sort of lean towards 
Jordanzo Beans, where I don't think the way they've played this year in a vacuum uh, is, I, I don't think there's that much difference. And I think if you made the case to me that Hertz has been just as good or better, I would not think you're crazy. I know you disagree with me. I know Stephen Reese disagrees with me because I had him on uh, the scramble on the Ringer NFL feed a couple weeks ago. And he said, if Lamar were in the uh, Eagles offense, they would have punted like five times the entire <laughs> season. So uh, listen, <laughs> you, a great you, line. you, you, you See, guys like, are on the uh, same page i I think it's close honestly right and i disagree with the punted five times things because the passing offense would look so much different because the routes they run for hertz they would not run for lamar and so a lot of it would yeah and that would affect the way they run the football and the screen game on third down they'd be a lot better on third down long i tell you that because they would let their quarterback freaking throw it not a hertz comment offensive coaching staff comment i have to clarify these things now um so, like, the pass game would look so much different. Somebody asked me recently, like, if Greg Roman leaves, because Greg Roman apparently might be the new head coach at Stanford, which I find hilarious, who makes sense for awesome. offensive coordinator for the Ravens? And I was thinking, like, oh, like, you know, take Brian Johnson, like, Eagles quarterback's coach. He's been running this offense. He's come from the college level, so he knows how to, like, do QB run stuff. It would make sense. And then I realized, like, I don't, I don't know if, if Johnson brings this passing game to Lamar, I don't think it would work. Like, not super well. It would be fine, but, like, not the way it could. So, it, Lamar does necessitate a very interesting and unique offense the same way that Hertz does. It's tough to map them one-to-one. Yeah, like you said, Jackson likes to work the middle of the field. Hertz likes to throw the ball uh, downfield on the goal ball. I mean, if you took away like his numbers on the goal balls just down the sidelines, I wonder, I, I don't know what his past numbers would look like this year, but you don't have to. He's been very consistent uh, throwing those on target, and even some of the misses they've had, they've been very good uh, throws there. So uh, fun conversation. I'm sure we will be continuing uh, some of this throughout the season as we see how their seasons play out. Good question. Six, Nate asks, Hi, he switched up a little bit. He said, hi, Shield. Deeply enamored with the pod. I like that. Ooh. You get Lamar Jackson creativity points. I'm there. Uh, what are <laughs> What are some best case and worst case likely playoff scenarios for the Eagles? So let's give you the update. I feel like we get this question a lot, but it's good. This is fun to look at every week now that it's changing. So right now, Eagles would obviously have the bye. The first round matchups would be the Commanders at the Vikings, the Giants at the 49ers, and the Cowboys at the Bucks. So in that situation, most likely the winner of Cowboys Bucks in the divisional round would be coming to the link. Uh, I'm sorry, Cowboys Bucks in the wild card round would be coming to the link in the divisional round. And then you're probably facing the 49ers in the championship game unless the Vikings knock them off. So I just think the best case scenario would be to, ne- well, would be to not have to face both the Cowboys and the 49ers. I mean, it might just play out that you have to face both of them. And I think you could certainly beat both of them, especially if you're at home. But if you could get like the Bucks or the Giants or the Commanders or if the Seahawks sneak in there to win in the wild card round and you don't have to face, uh, you know, Cowboys one week and 49ers the next, that to me would be the best case scenario. Yeah, uh, I would like to avoid Dallas and San Francisco for as long as possible. You can, if you, yeah. you, if you can get me a, Seahawks wild card round win. Love it. Get me a Commanders sneak in as the seven seed and upset the Vikings, and then they come play Philly. Mm, give it to me. Uh, Dallas. Yeah, things happen in the playoffs. Yeah. The Vikings being the expected two seed is nice because I don't really think the Vikings are that good. The Vikings are good. Like They'll be favored if they play the Commanders in the playoffs, but I don't think they're that good. Yeah. Um, 
So you, you have the potential for, for the kind of a lower seed to win in that regard. Uh, the nightmare situation is playing Dallas, San Francisco, then San Francisco, Dallas. Uh, the, the other teams are not nothing to sneeze at, right? Like the Seahawks are going to still be like a, a team that you got to deal with. Like that passing game is really effective. They can probably yeah. put you in a shootout the way the Packers did. You, you're, you're probably able to run it on them. Uh, you know what you can do to the Vikings defense. You did it in week two. Commanders beat you, but that that was like you know turnover game and, and just like you know kind of the, the undefeated season and everything. You get the Commanders again. I think they'll be all right. Uh, it's the it's the Cowboys and the, and, and the Niners you want to avoid. Dallas they match up with okay. It's just like they can put you in a shootout. They can run the football on you. The pressure like they just the Dallas is just really really good. Yeah. There's no two ways around it. The Cowboys are great. They're a great team. They're a balanced team. They can win a lot of ways. San Francisco is the team where if the Eagles and San Francisco played tomorrow on a neutral field. I don't know what the line would be, but I would. I think San Francisco would have to be favored. Just they would match up so so well in terms of, of the run defense and Tarverius Ward for AJ Brown, and then their ability to run the football and go play action pass, which has been such a big issue for the Eagles defense. There's just a lot the Niners do that's been problems for for Philadelphia. So if I can somehow slip by San Francisco, I'd love that. This is very interesting. I hadn't looked at this until now. For the first time, I don't know if it's all season, but certainly since the, the Eagles were, you know, in, in the number one seed, they are behind both the Niners and the Cowboys yep. in the sports betting markets. If you look at Unpredictable, in, in it answers the question you just said, which uh, on a neutral field that they played right now, the Niners would be 1.4. I, I know lines aren't actually uh, in 1.4, but this is, you know, according to the model, would be 1.4 point favorites over the Eagles, and the Dallas Cowboys would be 0. 0.8 uh, point favorites, so yeah. very close point favorites above the Eagles. The Cowboys had not been above the Eagles, I think, all season until just now. The Eagles had been ahead of the Niners, I think, until before. For last week, I want to say, and now they're behind both of them, uh, according to the sports betting market. So they are fifth in the overall uh, kind of betting market power rankings with the Bills, Chiefs, Niners, Cowboys, and then Eagles number five. So that yeah. uh, is very interesting. So now, yeah, for my the, for the power rankings that like I'll use to to make bets, the Cowboys pass the Eagles. Uh, the Niners been past the Eagles. The Cowboys are. Like in terms of like the way they won and who they won against, the margins I wish they won. They they look as good as the Eagles, and they probably are against like a third unknown party. Eagles match up with Dallas nicely, just because they they should be able to run the ball in Dallas. Like similar, like like the, I said, the Packers just lived in so much four down stuff. That's what the Cowboys want to do. Like they'll they'll play five down fronts. They'll try to play more run fronts when they need to, but they're not. Their personnel's not built for it, and that's not where they get their pass rush from. Uh, they also feel like whenever they want to defend the run, they feel like they have to put Michael Parsons at the second level, which is awesome, right? If you can if you can scare Dan Quinn enough with your running game that he puts Parsons at linebacker, i.e. not at pass rusher, it's the greatest thing you've ever done. So the Eagles match up well against the Cowboys. That 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 game, I feel like even if, if power rankings have the Cowboys better, I like the Eagles in it. Niners, man. Niners are well suited to be the Eagles. This is, Team, Still they, Jimmy G, though. Still Jimmy G, if you want to feel good about it. Listen, Aaron Rodgers was no more, no less than exactly what Jimmy G's been this season in this game against the Eagles, and they put up 33 points. Yeah, no, I listen, I've been on record. All, I just did a WIP hit earlier, and they asked me my biggest concern, and I said, listen, until the defense just basically proves it throughout the whole season against good teams, I'm going to be like, hey, you know, I think they could have a uh, clunker here now. 
those numbers were on a neutral field. A reminder that the number one seed is not locked in. And uh, listener friend of the pod, Dayniz, has pointed out on Twitter that if the Eagles lose to the Cowboys on Christmas Eve, uh, there is a strong, strong chance that they're going to lose the tiebreaker even if the uh, teams have the same record. He's gone through all the scenarios and has pointed that out. So this is a weird scenario because you're not going from like one to two. You're going from one to five if that happens. And with the way Eagles fans go out for the playoffs, man, it's enormous enormous difference yeah yeah one to five so that would be the difference between having a buy in the first round and then getting the worst team in the second round to in we in the wild card round you're on the road at say tampa which you know i I think you could certainly win that game but then you're on the road at dallas and then you're potentially on the road at the niners i mean it is night and day the difference so man that christmas eve game is going to be so so new answer new answer eagles lose on christmas day they get the five. This is best case scenario. They get the five seed. Best case. Yes, oh, they okay. beat Tampa. They beat Dallas or whomever. And then they get the Vikings in the NFC Championship game. And then for the NFC Conference Championship, they go to Minnesota and do exactly what Minnesota they did six <laughs> years ago in Philadelphia. That is what I would now like to see for the NFL playoffs. That would be fun. Exercise some demons in Tampa in the first round and then yeah, finish it off right. with uh, in Minnesota. Knock so, Dallas out of the divisional right. rounds. Dallas still doesn't get yeah. to go to the conference championships. Right. A lot of narratives here, baby. Oh, I love yeah. it. It's the NFL playoffs are so fun. I can't wait. All those games during the weekend, you, you, you root out all the Garbanzo Beans teams. They're looking ahead to the offseason and you just sit down and watch the playoffs for now three days because there's going to be the Monday night game. So right now, to put a pin on pin in this, pin on this, what do you say? Pin in, in this. or on? Where do you in. put the pin? In this. Would okay. you put a pin on something? Pin's not doing anything. Uh, do I look like a man who uses pins? I, this is not about using pins. This is about just living <laughs> long enough to see pins used. Football Outsiders says the Eagles have a 79.5% chance for a one seed. FanDuel says 74.4% chance in terms of the uh, betting market. So you see that? You say that sounds great. And you remember, well, that still means they have a 25.6% chance to not be the one seed. And if they're not the one seed, then they are the five seed. Titans are going to be a key opponent, their opponent this week. And then uh, the Cowboys play the Titans right late in the season there. So the three games until that Dallas game, Cowboys are home versus the Colts and the Texans. And then they go to Jacksonville. So like best case scenario for the Eagles <laughs> there is that the Cowboys go two and one, but they're probably looking at three and oh Eagles are home versus the Titans. And then they get two on the road against the Giants and Bears, which are not great teams, but could be tricky teams. So we we will see. And then the Eagles finish out at home against the Saints and the Giants. All right, those are your playoff scenarios. Question number seven. Tremaine asks, is Devontae Smith getting open and just not seeing the ball because the Eagles don't throw it that often? Are there any concerns about his development in year two? I can start with this one because one of my notes from this game was like, Devontae Smith had an awesome game. He's so freaking I mean, good, the, dude. What you, that's what I thought. I, I had a note watching this game going, oh my God. Like He was, uh, the numbers don't show it, four for 50. He had the, the blaze out. 
against uh, Jair Alexander for 17, where he turned him around. He had the out on third and 12. He, he is in, I don't think, I was trying to think about this, if I've ever seen an Eagles receiver with instincts that are as good as Devontae Smith. He's just so smooth. He knows where he is on the field at all times. That obviously stood out with his Alabama film coming into the league, but the way he catches, gets up field right away, knows where the first down is and picks it up. He had the 13-yard catch you mentioned uh, on the curl where he turns up field right away. He, he drew a penalty on a stutter go down the right sideline where if that's not a penalty that his numbers potentially look completely different here so some of the numbers here surprised me and I want to get your take on this in a second but where do you think he ranks in terms of uh, receiving yards league-wide right now I know he's at like 600 ish so yeah 32 he's 28 he's 25th with 609 good job so he's on pace for 941 he has caught uh, 71% of his targets. He's 24th in the league in terms of just total targets, which that part surprised me. How many more targets do you think A.J. Brown has than Devontae Smith? Not that many. There's been multiple games where Devontae has targeted him, like 15. Seven. That surprised me. Now, yeah. I was surprised when I saw that. To me, it felt like it's been way more for A.J. Brown, maybe because he's the uh, new guy. And but, but you're right. When you add all, he's only, A.J. Brown has had 86 targets. Devontae Smith has had 79. So I see zero concern with Devontae Smith. I mean, if A.J. Brown were to go down, Devontae Smith would be having over 100 yards every single week. Uh, the guy is a stud. He continues to show everything that you thought you had from him. If anything, he deserves credit probably for A.J. Brown coming in and, you know, Devontae Devontae Smith has been a good, uh, it seems like outwardly, at least I'm sure he would love the ball a little bit more, but uh, to me, he's been fantastic. You put him in an offense that passes the ball more. I think he'd be putting up ridiculous numbers. So I, I have no concerns yeah. about Devonte Smith as a player. What are, what are your thoughts? Yeah. And the efficiency numbers belie how well he's playing. Cause like by yards per route run and stuff, he doesn't look like he looks like he's like a fine receiver, but he's running a route on every single pass play. He doesn't come off the field. And a lot of those pass plays become, scrambles right they become screens right it's like he's not even like an active part of of, of a decision you know what i'm saying so it's it's no issue um i do think he's the third most talented pass catcher the eagles have asia brown dallas goddard i think it's very close i think he's the best third option you know what i'm saying you're probably gonna find anywhere you know what i'm saying uh there's no reason to be concerned about his development he is I think he's he's a better route runner than he was last year, which is crazy because I was a great route runner last year. He's so good in the air. He's so good on the adjusted stuff, his ability to pull down stuff, contortionist through contact despite his frame. You run off the instincts, the yards after catch. He's tough. He's willing to take on a hit through contact. A lot of stuff that smaller receivers generally struggle a with. Bit like, too much sometimes. Yeah. Well, like <laughs> health, you know, about? and like, you know, his his the fact that he's durable despite this and despite his frame. Yeah, good crazy. Point. Um Devontae could go to I think ten maybe 12 teams in the league and be their wide receiver one without blinking and having that as your second receiver and third pass catching option. That's pretty solid. So don't, don't yeah. let the fantasy football worry you. Don't look at the, the numbers and the counting stats and the, and you know, like, wow, much is he producing this? That, and the other thing, extremely talented player that also the Eagles trust, like after like one target through three quarters, like the Colts game, right? Like one, like he had like one or two targets through the first half. They come out and they drive in the third quarter, stop route to Devontae, deep come back to Devontae, curl out to Devontae, Devontae save us, Devontae solve problems for us. They trust him a lot. 
As uh, producer Cliff points out, there's only one ball. That's true. Yep. And a lot of times that ball is not even getting passed on a given play. And so it's it's even uh, less than that. But yeah, just look at the team they played. I mean, if he's on the Packers this year, I don't know what kind of no, – he might lead the league in targets yeah. uh, this season. Packers, Bears – other teams I can't think of right now. I don't Chiefs, know why I decided I mean, to start Chiefs, you can say it for a lot of receivers, Chiefs, but he's yes. putting up silly numbers on the Chiefs. Uh, Chargers? Oh, my gosh. What would he be doing on the Chargers? I mean, I think, I think Mike Williams is better than he is. Broncos is an it's interesting It's debatable one. with some of the injuries. Yeah, yeah. With, I'm like, they're kind of like doing like a you know, fully healthy sort of a theory. Uh, That's like yeah, physical size, yeah. speed versus the little right. guy who does everything. Falcons? Right. Yeah, so it's, it's different. Panthers, I'd say yes. I'd say he's better than DJ Moore. Um, yeah, like I said, probably about 10 teams. I don't feel good about saying Cliff says Patriots. That's Jets, a good one. Jets for sure. Yeah, we can get Ravens. To I, I struggle with because they, I mean, they don't like he would, but right. And I'm saying, like, is he yeah. better than their best receiver? The Ravens, absolutely. Yes. Oh, is he better than yes? Yeah, is he better yeah. than their best receiver? No doubt. Giants, right, there you go. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's that's tennis. Yeah, I feel good. Yeah, no, there, there, there's yeah. a lot. We got it. Right. We got it. We're chilling. Uh, <laughs> question number eight. It's just for me. How does the Eagles offense match up against the Titans defense? This It feels like it's been a few weeks since we're like, let's actually get into the matchup because the yeah. matchups haven't been as juicy. This is a juicy matchup. I'll give you some of the numbers. And then I know you wrote, you wrote about the Titans relatively recently. So you can answer this question. Well, now, Titans defense is seventh in EPA per drive, second in success rate, 10th in DVOA, 17th against the pass and first in the entire NFL against the run. So any metric you look at, this has been anywhere from the uh, top three defense to a top d- 10 defense, uh, a very good group. Uh, what stands out to you about this matchup when the Eagles have the ball against that Titans defense? First thing that stands out, are Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons playing? This is my number one question. Uh, both did not practice for Wednesday. This is uh one of the best. Oh, what happened to Simmons? Simmons played last. Did he get injured in that game? Simmons has the ankle. Something? He has he has the ankle okay. issue. He says he's like staying on top of treatment. Like it's like a little bit of like a rest day. I will say I don't think he's a hundred percent. And so if you yeah. have a limited Simmons and an unavailable Danico Autry, it is massively your advantage. There's like we're, we're talking like a top two, top three defensive tackle and like a legitimate top ten edge. He's also a very unique edge. Uh, and, and the run defending aspect of it. Watching the way the Eagles play this Packers team and then mapping onto the Titans team is interesting because they, they were able to generate so much space between the ends by just pushing these guys out and by winning their one-on-ones, winning their trap outs, winning the poles that we were talking about. You cannot, like the Titans will, will wreck your house, man. Like they are built at defensive end. They got big guys and they step down against the run. Like it, it, you're not going to be able to live that way. Eagles are going to have to live a lot more so on the boundary, right? This would be a game where they're going to throw screens. This is going to be like the Cardinals game a little bit. They're going to throw a lot of now stuff right now. They're going to throw RPOs and try to get to the flat. They're going to run backs to the outside. If they have a jet touch, jet sweep family that they have not yet to deploy this season, which is a thing that like you'd expect a college offense to have, they just don't really do. Now's the time. Pull it out, baby. Here we go. We need to find – got to find a way to get to the boundary of these guys. Running through the interior on Tyre Tart, on Jeffrey Simmons, very, very difficult. That's number one. Number two, uh, the Eagles put linebackers in hell, man. The Eagles defense, excuse me, the Eagles offense is so tough to handle as a second level player. Quay Walker jumping at shadows this way, that way. The the Jaguars linebackers, right? Devin Lloyd. I mean, they just abused him. David Long is a Titans linebacker. I find every possible opportunity I can to talk about David Long because nobody knows this guy. He's a five foot eleven, two hundred and thirty pound middle linebacker in the NFL. Is just never wrong. 
She's one of the smartest, most instinctive, slipperiest dudes you'll ever have. So a lot of the advantages the Eagles usually have, interior trenches and then manipulating your linebackers, making them guess, finding space in the RPO game, not as prevalent, not very much there. You look at the teams that have had success against the Titans, it's teams that have tested their corners one-on-one and been victorious. Not easy. Christian Fulton and Roger McCreary, a rookie, both playing very, very good football. Again, names you don't hear mentioned. These are really, really good quality players. Brown should be able to win in a similar way to the way that T. Higgins won, right? Win the size, win on the, on the outside stuff. And you saw uh, the the uh, the Bengals have a lot of success. You saw the Bills have a lot of success winning isolated matchups up against the sideline, downfield in the passing game against this Titans team. Very important game for Jalen Hurts to have that quick trigger. Very important game for their receivers to dominate. The last and most important thing is that Jim Schwartz, ex-Eagles defensive coordinator, is a senior defensive assistant for the Titans. What does senior defensive assistant mean? Nobody really knows. But you watch this team, and you watch the way they're able to pass rush out of a four down, like four guys, wide nine, everybody's heads in the turf, you know, like just dogs on a chain. It's like, yeah, that's the Jim Schwartz part of it. But unlike the Eagles' Jim Schwartz defenses, it's critical. They're not just playing cover one, cover three. They will be a quarters team, and they will rotate, and then they will send a guy from depth, and then they will drop a dude, and they will sim pressure, and they will send four, and they are going to make that second-level picture extremely confusing. If there's a game for Jalen Hurst to throw a pick six like right into somebody's chest, it's this game, right? Because they're going to change pictures on you better than any defense Eagles have faced, better than the Jaguars did. They're going to be able to change the pictures on you. So if you're going to throw your RPO game, you're going to throw your middle-of-the-field game, which the Eagles like will throw those short middles, will throw those slants, will throw those hitch routes, you gotta know. You can't guess. You gotta you gotta clue those safeties, you gotta be comfortable on tendency, and you have to know. This Titan team is so good on tendency. So if you're in your little like, oh, we're in our three by one set, we have the back to the strong side. What are we gonna run? Play action flood, this is the only freaking thing we run out of the set. They're gonna know. So you gotta be careful. Uh, so this is a very, very big turnover game where if you get into two calls, two bad calls that the Titans know and they're ready for and they execute. That's two turnovers, and then you're playing from behind against the Titans, which is the worst place to be. So important game for Jalen Hurts' risk management, important game for your receivers isolated on the outside, uh, and then important to watch the health of that defensive line. Limited Simmons, no Danico Autry, you can probably run it up the middle on them. If not, get to the boundary. You're going to have to do all of your stuff kind of yards after catch, screens, swings, that sort of nonsense. Try to take advantage of, uh, of this defense being so good in the interior, but a little bit weaker on the outside. Yeah, from what you said, some of the specific matchups, I mean, Jeffrey Simmons against Landon Dickerson, that, that is a, a key matchup, or uh, even Sayamalo. I mean, th- those guys have definitely been, if you're looking at sort of the weaker links on the Eagles' offensive line, it would be those two. And so uh, Simmons and Danico Autry, if he plays, I mean, he will swing inside uh, and pass rushing down. So that is a tough pair to handle in there. So that's absolutely something to keep an eye on, and also just with the injury reports the rest of the week. And then those one-on-one matchups on the outside, I mean, that's key. Roger McCreary's to how long were his arms? 28 inches 29 and, and I want to say 20. 29 and a quarter it's a Vontae Maddox size okay. baby yeah, he he. I I think the someone tweeted out before the draft that he would have the shortest arms of any starting cornerback yep. in the NFL. 28 and really, seven eighths. Okay. 28 and 70. So, but he's a really good player, but you saw it last week. Like, I mean, the Eagles don't have T Higgins, but um, you know, McCreary's coverage was outstanding and T Higgins just made a play on the football and had a big day. So you need AJ Brown and Devonte Smith to win those matchups on the outside. You mentioned it. Jim Schwartz in Philadelphia was a single high guy uh, to the nth degree, regardless of what was happening in a we game. We are gapped out, baby in the box. <laughs> and then Shane Bowen is like, absolutely not. We're not doing this. This is not allowed. <laughs> 
So uh, the Titans, yeah, they, they mix it up. I mean, they play cover three, cover four, cover one, and so they'll mix in all those things, but certainly more too high than those Jim Schwartz uh, defenses played. And the blitzing numbers are interesting because if you look at it, just how often do they rush more than four? It's the lowest percentage in the NFL, but that's deceiving because of what you yeah. said. They will, you, you don't know which four are coming. They will muddy the picture. They will send slot corners. They will send different players and have other players drop. So those things that you just yeah. mentioned, uh, this is going to be stand out there. So they're, they're usually going to get to seven into coverage and four after the quarterback, but you don't know which are the seven and which are the four. Yeah, this this is a game where if you're in third and long, like I'm, I'm very interested to see what happens in third and longs because the teams that have I'm been good. I'm excited for this game, just talking about yeah. it. This is the, be the, 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 the games in which teams have been good against the Eagles are the clear passing situations, third and long, are games in which they've been willing to send six or send seven. And in doing so, get a one-on-one with the back or get a free rusher and immediately move Jalen Hurts to his right out of the pocket. Hurts doesn't go left, he goes right. Now you know where he's going to be and you've broken the, the protection. You've, you've screwed up the timing of the concept. And this is why the Eagles try to throw all these screens on third and long is because they're expecting blitz. The Titans don't need to use six to get a one-on-one with the back. They can use four. They, uh, if every defense could do this, they would. But you have to be so good on tendency, so good on rules. And like Shane Bowen, their DC versus Jason Kelsey is going to be awesome just in terms of like those matches going to decide this game for the eagles offense right it, okay if they can run the ball well enough to avoid third and long sure but i don't think they can so you're going to get into third and long and then somebody's coming from somewhere and it's not always who it looks like it's going to be and if you get the eagles protection rules right and you get a one-on-one with the back the back is going to lose in pass protection kenny gamewell miles sanders boston scott he's going to lose and now you can't throw screens to beat that because instead of there being five guys back there playing cover zero there's seven and, and there's a seven's going to be enough to rally and tackle on those screens. So the Eagles' usual third down response is not going to work unless Kelsey dominates in terms of, of setting protection pre-snap, Gainwell eats his Wheaties and is crazy in, in, in pass protection, or they change the plan and they decide to let, let Hertz kind of handle more traditional passing concepts on third and long. So it's a huge gut check game on, on those late downs. Very interesting going to be fun all right question number nine let's go to the other side of the ball how does the eagles defense match up against the titans offense titans offense is 22nd in epa if you just look at the snaps with Tannehill, they're 22nd in epa per play overall they're 19th in dvoa 13th passing 18th rushing as you would expect the fourth most run heavy team in the NFL. If you just talk about early downs, neutral situations, it's all about big boy football with Derrick Henry. If you look at it last week, uh, Bengals stacked the box, run blitzes with Mike Hilton. I mean, all they were just like, we will dare you to pass the football, and they did a good job uh, on Derrick Henry, although Tannehill you know, passed the ball pretty well uh, last week. The offensive line injuries, Taylor Lewan, their left tackles out for the season. And then the other one Ben mentioned earlier is Ben Jones, the center. That would be a key whether he plays in this game or not. What do you got on the Titans offense against this Eagles defense? Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna gut check the how much do you like to play football? That's what this this offense is. If it's like, hey, you like football, football's fun for you. What if it's just three yards in a cloud of dust the whole time? And it's just physical and it's big receivers. It's big tight ends and it's a ton of hits and it's a huge back you don't like to tackle. There's a way this gets out of hand very quickly. And it's with Derrick Henry successfully getting to the second level. Nobody. Edwards, Kaiser White, Josiah Scott, Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Marcus Epps, Reed Blankenship. Nobody is, is, is built to handle this guy, which is like true of most secondaries. But for the Eagles specifically, like they, they play 
very light linebackers, right? Like, like TJ's faster this year in part because he's smaller this year. And TJ does not like to like TJ's not like a step into the gap and like thunderous hit guy. And if you're just gonna like sit back and kind of catch Derek Henry, which is how he tends to play, Henry's gonna carry you for three yards. And this is just gonna be five yards on first and ten the whole game. Like that's when Gannon loses, that's how he loses. And this offense is built to do that to you. That's the way they want to be. Most offenses don't want to be that way. That's why this is becoming a in vogue defensive philosophy because you're forcing explosive ripoff chunk gains offenses to become this incremental team. The Titans are very, very happy to give Derrick Henry the ball 30 times, which is absolutely 100% on the table. Just 30 carries, 147 yards, three touchdowns, Eagles lose 21 19. Like it's absolutely, again, it could get out of hand so fast. What are your solutions? They're going to run their five down stuff. They, they have they have some six down stuff they've been running recently. By running, I mean like they use it for like three snaps. So they'll do that against heavy personnel. But like the Titans can go eleven personnel and still run heavy on you because of the size like size of New Westbrook Aquino, the size of Cody Hollister, like how big their their receivers are. And if against eleven personnel, the Eagles go like four down. God forbid they're going to get yeah. deleted off the face of the earth. So this is the, this Gannon game. This is like a huge game in terms of. How often are you going to be able to get to third and longs? One, because I'm not sure you can get there often if you're in your base run defense. Two, when you get there, you better freaking win them. If you let Ryan Tannehill on third and eight pick up 11 yards to Nick Westbrook and Keenan in this game, you're screwed. You have to win your passing downs. Once you get to where you want to be and where the Titans don't want to be, you absolutely unequivocally cannot lose a single one. So you're giving them another chance with Henry. And then last but not least, it's a it's such a huge gut check game for the secondary. Do you like tackling? Do you like football? Is this still fun? It would be so nice if the Eagles could string together long drives in this game, just to give the defense a rest and keep the time of possession down, keep the hits down. I'm not sure they can. Like, oh, if the Eagles just are able to run it well, it'll solve every problem they potentially have. If they can't run it well, this thing can spiral. It's it's a very scary proposition playing this Titans offense. Those run blitzes we saw a couple of weeks ago against the uh, the Colts, another option for them. Yeah, they're they're gonna have to have some. And this isn't a yeah, they're running the ball, let them run the ball type. I mean, I think. Right. Now you saw year, the Bengals be very successful with run blitz against the yeah. Titans. However, they have Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton's a nutcase yeah. who loves to do this yes. at nickel. The Eagles have Josiah Scott. Disregard for his body. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know if Josiah is built for this. I don't know if you want the guy. It's just like, do you want to play this way? It's so hard. Yeah. I mean, Henry, I, I, the you know, he's run for 1,048 yards this year. No other player on the Titans has more than 143, which is just hilarious when you pull up their rushing numbers. But last week wasn't good for them. But, man, he has had games this year where you would think he is, you know, 23 years old, and this is his first year in the league where yeah. he's just looked awesome in a, in a bunch of these games this year. So uh, that's going to be fun. Their, their wide receiver core, like you mentioned, you got to win that matchup. I mean, they have Traylon Burks, who's coming on a little bit. Uh, they've got Robert Woods. They've got Westbrook Akina, where if you watch Red Zone, you would think Westbrook Akina has like, a 1200 yards this year. I swear to God, every time they go to a oh. Titans game, he's, he, he's, he's making a play for them. All those, none of the, all those players have between 334 and 351, uh, receiving yards. This Absolutely. Season. So 
How do you feel? I kind of, I kind of of those mid tier quarterbacks, I find myself kind of liking a Tannehill. I think he's, yes. he's tough. I mean, he will, I would say like he's up there with any quarterback in the league in terms of willingness to just stand in there, take a monstrous right. hit, get killed and deliver great. the football. He's got some athleticism to him. I mean, his number, he's, he's completing 65% of his passes and averaging 8.1 yards per attempt, which is second in the NFL with this group of wide receivers. And so he's got that toughness, uh, he hasn't. He he will have games where he will kill you with bad decisions, as we saw in inter turnovers, as we saw in the playoffs last year. That hasn't been the case this year. He's only thrown four interceptions all season long. If you want to look at EPA per pass play, he's eleventh, and Jalen Hurts is tenth. So uh, I don't view. T- I, I know some people like kind of crush Tannehill and don't like Tannehill. I kind of like Tannehill among those mid tier uh, quarterbacks. I think there's sort of a, a lot. He, he executes the offense that is asked, and there's sort of a, a, a lot to like about him. Yes. The, so all quarterbacks who are in this like under center play action pass offense are all various iterations of Kirk Cousins. Might be a little better yes. than Kirk Cousins. Might be a little worse than Kirk Cousins. Grab might be a slightly low, more mobile yeah. Kirk Cousins. But they're all a Kirk. Kirk is the ideal to which they all trend. The exception that proves the rule is Tannehill. I very much agree because Tannehill is a like Tannehill's got that like blind insanity that's usually reserved for like special teams gunners and and like you know blitzing safeties that like Tannehill just like you get the sense that Tannehill doesn't feel like he's playing a game like he's like he's not ready for football until he gets hit three times and he's like all right here we go like he's he's just he's a big dude with a strong arm and like you said he loves to stay in the pocket and he's willing to hang on that ball for the extra second to take the hit and that means so much in this offense. And he has the, the arm strength and the accuracy when he takes the hit to still deliver it versus like your Kirks and your Jimmy's and all the other iterations where that usually ends up being like a duck and a pick. Uh, so Tannehill absolutely of the guys in this offense is the most dangerous with that set. You got to win your passing downs, your passing offense, your pass defense is good enough to cover all these players. Traylon Burks quite good. Love me a Traylon Burks, but you're good enough to cover these guys and your, your pass rush should be good enough to beat this front. You got to win your passing downs. Cause you're not, you're not going to win your running downs often enough to get enough third and longs to like give a few of them away for free. There you go. All right. Quick hitters before we get our predictions. Uh, someone wanted to know what was on our Spotify rap. Now you put your music out there. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know you were a Mount joy guy. That's a good band. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the only new music I've listened to. Uh, listeners of the show, Mount Joy, uh, Philadelphia diehard sports fans. Fans, the only new music I did not know I've that. listened to in probably like 20, uh, 20 years. And so every week as I put the film on, I just put the Mount Joy. Yeah, all right. Look at this performance. Yeah, they're uh, fantastic. So that was far and away my first one. And then the other ones were on the uh, Phillies playoff mix what what was on your spotify rap i know you tweeted out earlier i don't think i'd heard of any of the bands yeah i always get made fun of for my spotify rap because i have very basic <laughs> uh uh white guy who thinks he's cool tastes my top five are all jay krongbin i don't know if i'm pronouncing that right new artist absolutely wonderful uh full scott animals neon bridges uh my like genres are like modern rock and then it's like modern rock man it's like indie pop indie alternative indie soul indie for that i'm like oh man i'm so I'm, I'm quite derivative but whatever it's fine it's what i enjoy and i i bear with no shame there you go everyone listen to mouth joy they're fantastic all right uh, someone wanted my tv they said they like my tv takes they want more of that i'll just go real quick what the capadias are watching right now uh very much into uh white lotus again season two fantastic just knocked out the last episode uh last night that was great uh, fleischman is in trouble 
I saw amazing. this. It looked interesting. Uh, it's it's the only you know it's one of the few I would say fiction books I've read in recent years. The author actually came to Seattle when I was covering the Seahawks. Uh, she got a, a freelance gig with ESPN, the magazine to write about Russell Wilson. And she was great. So then I saw she wrote this new book. I'm like, oh, I got to uh, read that. Now it's in a TV series. And uh, that is high on the Kapadia uh, couples power rankings. Nice, nice couples watch there. And then we need to finish Atlanta. I know it's been finished, but that's sort of backed up there on the DVR. So those are the three probably that we're watching right now. Last one, John asks, uh, he was saying if we had like a my cause, my cleats, maybe this was sort of for Giving Tuesday, and oh. I know you, you had something you mentioned on Twitter, so another opportunity to plug it here, but if we had a my cause, my cleats, what will we have on there? He asked for like artistic design, which I'm like a disaster. I would just let my daughter or maybe one of you listeners who's artistically inclined uh, design them, but what would your my cause, my cleats be for? Yeah, so I, every summer I work at a camp uh, in Phoenix called Camp Catneys, uh, which is a, a college access and preparedness camp for first generation students, mostly first generation students uh, in, the, in the Phoenix area, which is just sick. It's the absolute bomb. It's the best kids in the entire world. And it's a lot of like what I get to do is like help them write. And that's just extremely fun, uh, especially because I get to masquerade as a good writer. Um, but they're very, very grateful. And, and, and it, it, it emphasizes to you how much you took your college experience for granted when you see what it, what it means to kids like this. Um, so that's what I work on every, every, every summer. And I'm, a lot of those people that have been in my community and like I've known them for a long time and the camp director has been a mentor of mine for a long time. So that's, that's the, my cause, my cleats till I die camp cat. So yeah, like you said, I, I put it on Twitter. Basically I said, if you donate, I will answer any one question that you want me to answer. And then people ask me ridiculous questions and I answer them. And it's, it's a fair exchange. It works pretty well. There you go. Check that out. Mine would be Big Brothers, Big Sisters. You can look up the one in your uh, region, which I did uh, for many years. Very fun. You mentor. I didn't know you used to do Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Yeah, you mentor a young person. It's fun for you. I mean, you're going to all, they, they go to all these different events around town. You hang out. You go out to eat. You go to sporting events. You do things you wouldn't uh, necessarily do otherwise. So if you're looking for something, I highly encourage you to sign up. It's not a huge time commitment. It's you know two to four times a month. You hang out. You can check in more if you need to. They help you plan the event, so it's not like you need to always come up with something that you do. And uh, it's a very uh, fun thing. Great great organization. So that would be mine. All right. Thank you for the question, John. Nice question there in the holiday season. All right. Let us get to our predictions. Now, last week we joked, we both been struggling for picks against the spread. So we joked, all right, I'm going to make my pick. You go the opposite way. And what did they do? They pushed depending on when you got the line. When I wrote it for yeah. the column, it was seven. And so we both, uh, neither of us came out well there. Uh, listen, Titans are seven and four. Three of their losses have been by a total of eight points. They got blown out by the Bills 41-7 to seven, uh, in week two. Other than that, I mean, this is a competitive, competitive, hard-nosed team. I think this is a tough team for the Eagles. If, if Simmons isn't healthy, if he's not like close to 100% or if he doesn't play, I could see the Eagles uh, you know, having a nice, decisive victory here. But he played last week, so I'm going to assume he plays this week. Eagles are five-and-a-half-point favorites. I thought that was a little high. I think it was six. It came down to five and a half. Mike Vrabel has one of the best records against the spread as an underdog of any coach in the NFL. 
I think the Titans are going to be able to run the ball a little bit. I think they're going to be able to produce some explosive plays. I think they're going to make life tough on the Eagles passing game. Unless, listen, there's a scenario where A.J. Brown comes out and it's just like, this team wanted to trade me. This AJ team revenge pay me. game. I am dunking on their head from start to finish. I mean, he could have like 180. I mean, he he was not happy about that situation. But uh, I think the, the Titans schematically with their players are going to make life tough on the Eagles passing game. One more thing. We talk about the Eagles special teams all year. I know I've predicted this before. I think this is going to be the, the game where the special teams kind of cost them an actual win. I'm well, going the Sunday was almost the game where it happened, man. They got close. <laughs> yeah, it was. I'm going with the Titans in an outright upset. And I don't think I've done that. I don't know. I think since the Vikings game, I'm not sure I've picked uh, against the Eagles this year. I like the Titans this week. Titans 24 Eagles 23, just setting up even more for that Christmas Eve matchup against the Dallas Cowboys with everything on the line. So that is my pick for this week. Again, I'm terrible. You should be happy. Don't yell at me. You should be happy. I pick every game wrong against the spread for the Eagles. So me picking that should mean the Eagles win by like two touchdowns. Titans cover, Eagles win. I entered prep thinking the Eagles were going to lose. And the more I watched the Titans, the more I saw, like, it's an extremely tough team. It's a very well-coached team. If you can get them in the spots where they're not comfortable, they are really weak. Uh, even with, like, Traylon back and, and Ryan Tannehill back, like, this passing game is just equal should be blankets on this. And then uh, defensively, like, you can get to the boundary on them. You can avoid the, the impact players on, on the uh, on the interior. You can outspeed them and and and, and have the yak work for you. And, and the Eagles have done that well. Uh, again, like, there's a lot of ways this thing spirals. You predicted a close loss if the eagle if you told me in like the future the eagles lose i wouldn't be surprised if they lose the game like 19 to 6 you know what i'm saying just like like it's like really really ugly just because once one if if, if they can't stop henry i mean the times will hold the ball for 42 minutes like it, it just won't it won't work uh i do think the eagles win though i think that they're enough the titans right now seven and four they are 6-0 and against teams with losing records. They are 1-4 and with teams with winning records right now. Their only team they beat with a winning record was the Washington Commanders in Week 5, which is back when they had Carson Wentz. And they weren't really – nobody thought they were going to be a winning record team at that time. So it's kind of, you know, the the the, the, uh, the odds have come in the Titans' favor there. So they've played a lot of teams close. Um, but they've, you know – the Eagles are one of the best teams they faced. I think the Eagles beat them. And I think they beat them – 7 – 20 – 20 to 16, <laughs> but I think the Titans cover. I think this is a one score game. All right. So go ahead. Take the, take the Eagles to cover. If you're smart, we both got the Titans covering. Ben still has the Eagles winning. I've got the Titans winning this game. Win or lose, regardless, we'll be back Sunday night to talk about it. We will be back Sunday night on the Ringers Philly Special. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... 
once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. 